Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this, our 10th episode, we speak with Sarah Anderson, a recent biomedical engineering graduate from Georgia Tech. We talk about biomed and biomechanics in sport technology, including one of her design projects revolving around minimalist running footwear. Sarah also tells us about her current work with ESPN Sports Science. Remember to check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! All right, and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcasts. I'm Henry, and Mike is here as well. Hello, everyone. And also joining us from sunny California is Sarah Anderson. Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, Sarah recently graduated Georgia Tech, um, and we know her from an internship last summer, which she spent um, spent a, a, a summer at the Sports Tech Institute doing some projects. She's now in Hollywood, in, in Los Angeles, working with sports science in the ESPN program. I guess, would you like to tell us a little bit how you got into sports technology and why you're, why you've kind of chosen the field? Yeah, sure. Um, as you said, I just graduated from Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech is mostly like an engineering school. I did biomedical engineering there. And most like typical biomedical jobs, you kind of make like medical devices or whatnot, but I didn't really want to do that. I always, I grew up playing sports, uh, soccer as or football, as they'll call it, at like age six, and then I started running competitively in like seventh grade, and I was always, from like, when I was really young, I was always interested in how things worked, especially the body, and as I grew up playing sports and then into college playing, running for uh, Division One, I, I wanted to know how the body communicated to allow, like, the best of our athletes to excel at what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, so through Tech for Biomed, there's a focus on biomechanics as well as, like, the general engineering principles applied to the body. And when I found out about the sports science fields, I contacted Lufro and went from there, yeah. And I really like it so far, so. Cool. And in your biomechanics classes, did, when, I think of, when I think of biomechanics, perhaps just, just because of where I work now, but I think it, it as, as a field, it has sort of a, a tendency towards athletics just because that's, I mean, anytime the body's moving, especially yeah. when it's moving in sort of a high-performance state, it's... it's yeah, kind of for sure. Like, I think biomechanics combined with, like, anatomy and physiology... Um, definitely, because in that way you can diagnose things and you can build stuff, um, build devices for <clears throat> athletic injuries as well as equipment to enhance athletic performance because you know how the body works and stuff like that. So definitely, yeah. What uh, what sports-related projects have you done? Could you pick a favorite? That's So my main experience, I first got into it on the sports tech field when I heard about the Sports Technology Institute at Lothbrook. Um, which I interned last summer during the summer of 2010. And I did a lot of different stuff when I was there, some short-term, some long-term. Um, for example, soccer injuries, and we use motion sensing analysis systems and force plates. We did, oh, Dom Aramis analysis system, mm-hmm. which is used to measure, like, strain and deformation in 3D. And basically, me and another intern, Gihan, we kind of developed our own project going off of another project that Gihan did in the summer of 2009 with the sports tech. And basically, we wanted to look at the plantar profile of the foot to the bottom of the foot and how it's strained and deformed under static and dynamic loading. So this ex- for the experiment, I think it was really cool because I got to use, we got to use like the high-speed cameras and the cool setup as well as I'm really obsessed with 
running and the biomechanics of the foot. So this project was definitely up my alley. So ultimately, we wanted to stream map this foot for continuation for, like, use in as a model for running shoes to be built. For this experiment, we used a high-speed camera capturing system and basically put a bunch of dots that were kind of eagerly spread out at the bottom of the foot. We used a permanent marker, and we embedded, we put the cameras under a glass plate. So we took out the floorboards, put the cameras in, shot them up, put all the lights all around so it had good lighting. And then we put a glass plate over it where the subject would either lower, using two parallel bars on the side of a piece of glass, would lower themselves onto, lower their one foot onto the glass so there would be like an even distribution of weight mm-hmm. as as they lowered themselves. Or another thing we tested was walking across the glass to kind of see the foot in motion. And what the dots on the bottom of the foot, the camera, so before the experiment was done, we took pictures of the foot with the camera and using the Gamma analysis 3D deformation and strain analysis system, system, it was able to track those dots as they moved across the different uh, frames of the camera throughout the dynamic and loading movements. And from that, I was able to calculate strain and deformation. So, and we actually had a, we came out with a pretty good model of the, the foot, which was pretty cool. It was the first experiment that had ever been done measuring the bottom of the foot, the plantar profile side, in on a real live person before there had only been cadaver studies done. So they would like put the cadaver leg with the foot, well obviously with the foot on it, um, on an instrument machine and kind of compress and stretch and see how that deformation occurred when the cadaver leg was stretching. But this was cool because it was on an actual foot. Do you see that having any implications in kind of like this tr- running trend going on now with the barefoot running and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was definitely one part of it. One, So one part was that, and then one other part was kind of like looking to see about injuries in the plantar fascia. But along with the barefoot running, definitely having the profile of the bottom of the foot and how it moves in motion could definitely help with the whole minimalistic shoes, which I'm also super interested in. It's, did a project for my senior design project oh, nice. at Georgia Tech dealing with, like, that exact same thing. So, yeah. Okay, can you tell us more about that? About the, my senior design project yep. with the minimalistic running? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I, like I said, I ran since 7th seventh, seventh grade, yeah. And then I ran uh, for Tech. And then there are ones. So it was pretty, like, competitive and kind of seems like a part-time job or full-time job at some times. So, definitely got a lot of running and talked about a lot of running. So when this project came up for my senior design, I kind of single-handedly convinced my team that it was the best project in the world and that they should do it. But basically what it was, was we were given the task originally to design a minimalistic shoe unlike any other shoe in the market. It was really vague and didn't really know what to do with it. So after researching a bunch of stuff about barefoot running and minimalistic shoes versus like traditional sneakers. We came up with a project, which I'll get into a sec, but I'll give you a little background on barefoot running and minimalistic footwear because I don't know how much it's, everyone knows about it. Yeah, it's, it's something that, that has come up briefly on the podcast. But, um, yeah, would like yeah to I saw that. Really one, quick, one quick question is like yeah. a lot of people, you were talking about uh, people on the, on the Georgia Tech team. Like, What would you say uh-huh. like the, the breakdown of people that kind of, indoors barefoot running or is like is it just kind of used as a training tool or do you yeah yeah um i know i don't know really about the sprinters 
but definitely the mid-distance team and the distance team, we are required to run five laps around the track and grass barefoot every day, so like a mile and a quarter. And, and then, then just is that I, something that's changed over the last few years, or is that how kind of always been a, a, um, a coaching I think, I think my coach definitely took it a little more seriously towards the end of like my time attack because if we didn't do it, he would get really angry. Whereas before, when I started, he wouldn't really care. Like he just said, "Oh, you should go run barefoot." But okay. I think as more like information came out about barefoot running, and as he read more, he got like more serious about it. There are there actual health benefits to it. Yeah, so was it more like the athletes more adopting it or was the coach just more confident in kind of putting you guys through that without Well like the athletes definitely brought it up. And actually a couple of guys on our team would just run barefoot. Like they would just train barefoot and run all through the city of Atlanta oh, barefoot. Really? I don't know if that's the best mm -hmm. idea without glass and stuff but they just didn't have they just didn't use shoes at all for any of their no, training? they didn't use they didn't use shoes at all. No, <laughs> yeah, I've actually tried running with no shoes at all, like once, once or twice, and it was fine. It was weird because I so I started running in my sneakers, and then my friend I was running with he convinced me that barefoot running was the way to go, and so I kind of felt self conscious running barefoot because everyone's staring at you, but it actually it actually. I, after I got used to it, and then I put my trainers back on, I immediately took my trainers back off because they just felt so bulky and I couldn't feel the ground anymore, which is kind of interesting. Can you talk a I little bit about like, the theory behind it? Like what is... Why oh, yeah, sure. So, so minimalistic footwear has, compared to like your traditional running shoe, has low cushioning and they're super, super lightweight. And the one, the one major difference other than like the cushioning and the lightweight of barefoot running shoes are minimalistic running shoes, I should say. They have a near like zero toe to heel drop and that's basically the difference between the height of the toe and the height of the heel. There's almost no difference. And that, that allows the foot to land on not the heel as in regular running shoes, but the midfoot which is kind of like more the ball of the foot towards the front. And basically why you land on your heel in traditional running shoes, you have a heel strike landing pattern, is because the heel is so cushioned and it flares out at the back. So basically minimalistic shoes are designed to mimic barefoot running. So kind of like just running with no shoes on, but you have that, that barrier for protection if you're running in, say, the streets of Atlanta. Or Wolfboro, well, you might be okay actually running barefoot because it's kind of chilly once you get good one. I guess the, the kind of the theory goes back to also like back before there were actual shoes that people may have experienced less um, less injuries because they had more developed kind of leg muscles to kind of counterbalance. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure that the old shoes used to just be leather, like thin, no support, nothing. And I know I know for a fact that Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile wearing those leather shoes on a dirt track. Mm -hmm. So definitely definitely easy to run in. And basically how the how what the health benefits of barefoot running is that because you're landing on your midfoot as opposed to your heel, the impact force you feel is transferred along the foot from your midfoot, which has a greater surface area than your heel. So it goes from your midfoot to your heel and then up to your knee, as opposed to if you're landing with a heel strike all that force is going to be felt on the back of the heel and just directly go up to the knee. So over time, you definitely have, like, less injuries such as you don't 
have as much tendencies for runner's knee, repetitive stress injuries, uh, lower back pain due to like compensation at the knee joint, stress fractures, etc. Because and also the cushion, the less cushioning on the shoe has actually been proven to be more beneficial and less health health risk than a nicely like cushioned built up traditional running shoe, which I thought was kind of strange when I read that. But so with that with that in mind, would you would you say that it's it would be a goal for runners to work towards is to to work towards being comfortable in a lesser shoe or in a thinner shoe? Yeah, I mean, I definitely after my senior design project, I actually went out and bought a pair of Malos book shoes <laughs> because I was so I'm so convinced about it, and I'm like I tell oh. anyone who's willing to listen about <laughs> running. But yeah, I don't know, like. The only thing from going with traditional running shoes to barefoot running shoes is that traditional running shoes, we're all used to landing on a heel. So we have that pronounced heel strike. And in barefoot running shoes, because there's no support and there's no cushioning, you really, really, really have to adapt to that midfoot strike. And if you, yeah, yeah. And if you continue with the heel strike, you're going to actually injure yourself more because your, your uh, knee, from landing on your heel will feel even more stressed because there's no cushioning. But if you land on your midfoot, it's actually better for you because when you run with traditional running shoes, there's this force curve that's kind of, it's like a nice round hill, I guess you could say, if you think of the hill of a curve. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, there's this like transient initial impact spike, and then it goes up to that hill. And that, that initial transient impact spike is the Force being transmitted from the heel to the knee, and in barefoot running, you don't you don't see that. So, from my project, what uh, we did was we actually developed a training device to kind of help with that transition from traditional running shoes with the heel strike to the minimalistic mm-hmm. uh, midfoot strike. And so, basically, what we did is we made this little contraption, which we're trying to get a patent for, actually. Um, that basically it, it plantar flexes your foot by a, a couple degrees, so you have a more of a tendency to land on your midfoot as opposed to your heel, hmm. because your heel is in that, your foot's in that kind of downward plantar flex. And it worked when we ran with it, so it's pretty cool. Is this geared more toward your average everyday runner that goes out two, three times a week, or more the active, maybe college athlete, high school athlete? At first, we targeted we targeted uh, just runners who ran about five times a week, five or more, okay, um, so kind of like every day. Yeah, yeah, but then, I mean, then we thought, well, like, why? So, I mean, this device can be used with whatever. And even, like, the benefits of barefoot running can even be felt if you actually run in just a regular traditional running shoe. But you, ha- the, th- the key is you have to adapt that midfoot strike, and in a traditional running shoe, it's just harder because the heel's so built up. Right, and I think it can be a problem, too, for kind of maybe everyday runners that try and just do an abrupt switch to minimalist running. Maybe they get injured or step on something wrong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Out. Like, I I mean, like I said, I, for my project, I kind of got hooked on it. So I'm a traditional heel runner, and I, like, try to switch to the midfoot strike. During my runs, I'd have to constantly be thinking, like, okay, like, I almost felt like I was running on my tiptoes. So like a little bit, and my Achilles tendon got so sore, and my calves were so sore, just because you use muscles that you basically you don't need to use when you're running with a heel strike. I definitely, I definitely run midfoot strike now, and the minimalistic shoes definitely help. But that was kind of 
I guess there was like a couple week training period that I had to. So when you say it helps, does it help with like, did you see any change in like performance or like less injuries or soreness? There's that, I mean, less injuries are probably going to happen. I haven't, for me, I've never actually experienced like runner's knee. I've had stress fractures though, but, um, but also like I found it's, it's easier to run. Like once you transition and you're able to sustain a midfoot strike without having to really think about it. I I find myself and said I've shown this that you actually are more efficient running and you use less I think it's three three to four percent less oxygen to run your however long you're running comparable to traditional shoes. I think that's mostly because it's lighter weight, but also because your the biomechanics of like your feet and your legs are acting as they as they were designed to act. I mean, before I don't think traditional running shoes came out until like with Nike until the nineteen late nineteen seventies. So it's kind of a new thing, and it's interesting that everyone is reverting back to the no shoe attitude. I think I think most of the large companies have released something that that kind of is sold along those lines. Yeah. Some 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 are are significantly more minimalist than others. Yeah, and a lot of like. Random small companies have just popped up who only specialize in barefoot running shoes. So, are there any other examples of, of crossover between like the, the hard science of biomechanics and um, sports technology? I mean, I know for a fact that there's tons of crossover because what biomedical engineering is, it's basically like your normal principles and science of engineering of tools and machines, but they're just used to develop products or use in conjunction with the body. Mm-hmm. So anything anything that's biomedical related will be using the body and anything that's sport related uses the body. So definitely there's been some breakthroughs in biomedical engineering that has helped sports and as well as vice versa. So I feel like the phys- physiology behind, like I was talking to you before about one of the little projects I did while I was at Lasco was we we're studying the physiology behind athletic enhancing substances. That's definitely a part of biomedical engineering, like the pharmaceutical field of side of things. And also, like uh, another one would be the you know, the laser or the speedo swimsuits. They're really tight, long ones that were banned, and then um, yeah. then maybe pulled and banned. So basically, those work. Uh, you might know this, but they measure the minor the minors strain lines of your like thigh and of your legs and your basically your entire body and then the material kind of forms your muscle in a way that propels you propels you forward rather than wasting energy um, expanding from side to side so and then there's a couple other like technologies that are built within that suit but basically the whole like that whole strain mapping system as well as like with the GOM Aramis system that I was speaking of earlier. That's definitely all biomechanics, which is kind of cool. Um, shoes and clothes, like wicking technologies, that's like studying the endocrine system, which is physiology and building stuff upon that's biomeds, engineering, prosthetic devices. There's been some news about that since the last Olympic. And basically, like, first prosthetics were just developed for normal people, wounded soldiers, then they kind of got into sport prosthetics. And I know that Oscar, Oscar Pistorius, he wore two prosthetics legs and ran 
the 400 meters uh, in yeah. 45 seconds in like 45.07, which is kind of ridiculous. Like that qualified him for potential selection to compete against non-disabled athletes. Yeah, that's that's an issue that's been getting a lot of attention lately. At Georgia Tech, is it pretty limited in terms of specifically people doing sports technology or sports research? Is it kind of isolated? Um, at, at Georgia Tech, yeah, specifically, um, there's not actually there's not really any. I mean, there's a there's like a physiology lab where they study like VO2 max and consumption, and like they study the endocrine system, such as like sweat glands and stuff like that. But there's no, I know at MIT they have like a sports tech lab and a, a wind right. tunnel, right, Mike? Yep, yeah, that's where I work. So. And then, yeah, yeah, and then uh, Georgia Tech doesn't have anything like that. They're definitely more focused on um, the whole like cell culture and kind of More from a healthcare lab. point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah like definitely healthcare system. field. So, I mean, my first, my first experience with this field was uh, at Westboro. Yeah, so I don't. Not that I know of, no. So now, since you've uh, graduated from Georgia Tech, you're on to another kind of exciting sports technology venture. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing with ESPN and sports science? And yeah, okay. Just basically so, the, the setup there. Yeah, so when, actually I think you were the first one who told me about the show Sports Science, Mike. But actually watching it, I kind of got hooked on it because at Wellsboro, I was able to experience like the other side of things. So kind of building equipment and doing actual measurements and, and like, biomechanical data and stuff like that to see how uh, creating sport equipment for athletes, basically. And then here in, in L.A. on the set of sports science, they use athletes to kind of test their agility and they test how well they can uh, use sporting equipment. So it's kind of the opposite side of things. So I really get, like, the overall the overall spectrum because I wanted, I really wanted the experience to see how the human body of the elite athlete functions in turn to learn more about the athletes that use or wear the technology um, developed at places such as the sports tech at Lost Um So basically the show ESPN, it's on ESPN um, and it's called Sports Science and it's hosted by John Frankis and basically the show is, it uncovers the sports biggest myths and mysteries, and it uses uh, technology to measure such things as momentum and friction and laws of gravity and motion. So basically, they take athletes' performance who excel in in their fields or whatever they're doing. I know they just did it. They should shoot with an analysis of the Yankees just hit three grand slams, and it was like the first uh, ever, first time ever been done in history to hit three grand slams all in one game. And they did an analysis of, like, each of the players and how they swing and why their swings allow them to get grand slams. So they just, like, looked at the angle of when they hit the ball and how often that angle was the same. And it was interesting because to see the science behind yeah, and it's your neat, everyday, like, it's sporting It's a neat concept because of um, kind of the, the sports science segments now kind of spun up the show are put into things like Sports Center. That's to a huge yeah, broad yeah. audience where like the, the concepts are um, are simplified enough to a point and you make a lot of exactly. everyday comparisons that the average person exactly. can understand. Yeah. And it's interesting working on the show. It's really cool because for me, I, I come from like a technical background, so I know, like, I'm used to researching things very, very thoroughly and explaining them 
in a very thorough manner. But for the show, they, they're trying to communicate the basic science behind, like, sports and such as, like, torque and force and reaction time and speed and, so, and like, acceleration to the general audience. So basically they're just targeting sports fans in general who watch ESPN, SportsCenter, to, and they're just trying to, I think the major point of it is just to get your everyday average person interested in science through sport. Right, so can you tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing? With yeah, so for sports science, my job is to basically, whenever they come up with a new idea or a new shoot for an athlete, they kind of come to me and primarily it's my job to research the biomechanics and the physiology behind the different challenges that the players are put through on the set in order to highlight the various aspects of their game. Okay. So we just had a football player come in, um, as in American football, and he was put through a little obstacle course, and I kind of had to analyze, like, okay, he was able to hit our dummy with this much force because X, Y, and Z muscles were acting together to create this torque that allowed him to hit this dummy and then spin off of him and stuff like that. So it's being that I have a biomed background, that's kind of my primary role. And then another part I think I do is really cool. I come up with, I help come up with experiments to be conducted with the athletes. So they're like, so they'll give me an example and say like, oh, actually I'm not really allowed to say who's coming in right now. Um, so we'll just, we'll say like, Bob. <laughs> so Bob's coming into sports science tomorrow and he's a swimmer and basically what kind of experience, what kind of experiments do you think we could do with the equipment that we have to test X, Y, and Z? So that's kind of cool. And then I also do like some script writing and I kind of, because it is a television show, you, you get to see the whole aspect of production from like pre, like script writing and to the actual filming of it to post-production and editing and upping color and stuff like that. And it's, Really, really, really interesting. Right, and I think a lot of the the segments that I've seen, at least, use a combination of kind of hardcore measurements, but also with pretty pretty neat graphic overlays. Of yeah, no, this show is definitely jam packed with awesome graphics, and it's been cool to like meet the guys and girls <laughs> who do the graphics behind the show because I you just kind of like anyway when I was watching it, I was wondering how they did it, and now I know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Kind of cool. Sounds great. Sounds like a, like a cool opportunity to, to design and conduct tests with with like yeah. equipment and, and people. Is there any uh, so if you if you could pick any athlete in the world um, to do a sports science segment with, uh, do you have a, a top choice? Any athlete in the world, man. I think I would jump to a track athlete, but actually, mm, it'd be really cool. I think it'd be really cool if we got Usain Bolt to come in and do like. Do some reaction uh, time, how to start when the, the gun goes Yeah, off. like, I mean, <laughs> I know the last, uh, the last 100 meters he ran, he was, I think, after he disqualified himself from starting too early, from false starting, I think that his last race, it was like a couple days ago, he was the last one off the box. Yeah, extra cautious, like, but can recover. Yeah, <laughs> extra cautious, right? But, you know, that'd be definitely cool to see him, like, his reaction time off the box, and then, I mean, just to see him run really, really fast, I think would be awesome. But, but that, and I also think, I always wondered, like, how gymnasts do what they do. I have no idea how you can do, like, a somersault and a balance beam and land on one foot. So I think, <laughs> I think maybe, like, analyzing 
their eyes and like the way that I look when they do all their crazy moves would be cool too. Do you guys ever take uh, audience requests? What audience requests? Why? Seen that? I'm just curious. Like, it, like, how do you guys come up with the uh, the ideas? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, definitely for football, ESPN comes to us and says, so we're like an outside production company, and then the show we work in part with ESPN to show to air the show on ESPN. But they come to us and say, like, hey, can you do a segment on this? And a lot of times we look at popular plays of the week or plays of the day and kind of come up with that. Or if there's, like, a big event going on, we'll try to do a special play, like, say, like, the Super Bowl. We'll try to get some American football segment or... Little League Baseball. Yeah, yeah we, yeah, we did a segment on Little League Baseball. How about for the Little League World Series? One of the balls hit the pitcher's, the pitcher's uh, brim of his cap. Yep. Kind of saved his life. But, but yeah, if you have anything, anything pressing, please let me know. Okay. Um, I, I can definitely put in the yeah. put in the good words. Yeah. So, um, just uh, one last question, I guess. What um, what's next? What what do you see in your future? Where would you like to take your passion for sports technology? Yeah, so I definitely, I definitely want to do sports technology. I love everything about it. Like you get to be like the whole science nerd thing and engineering and building stuff and then sports I love sports and it's like real chill and just a really good environment so I've been from my internship at Loughborough I kind of learned about Adidas they have this postgraduate program it's one year postgraduate program um, so I'm, try, I'm currently trying to yeah it's in Germany how do you say it? Her, the city yeah I don't know how to say that <laughs> It's a one year in Germany out there headquarters in the city that you just said. But I think that'd be cool. And then ultimately, I think I want to develop and like design running shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really, really interested in like the bottom case of the foot. And like I said earlier, with my senior design project. So yeah, doing that at some point down the road. Well, thanks a lot for, for talking with us. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of the Sports Technology Podcast. Remember to check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at Sports Tech Pod. Thank you. Bye.